Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast live here on Monday, April 19th. Great to be with you. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. I got to tell you a little bit about mine in, in just a moment, but we are here for the next hour to unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. We love all of you that are joining us live, all of you that listen to the podcast later. So loyal, so supportive. We're thankful for you. We do it for you. We do this with you. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can subscribe to the podcast anywhere podcasts are found. That way, if you listen to the live show for a little bit, you have to go. Uh, Take a call, get back to work. You can listen to the podcast later, and so you can subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. Uh, Also, we'll do Unpack This in just a little bit. Today's topic is about the NFL draft, but if you want to subscribe to Unpack This and receive it in your email Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you can go to unpackingit.com. You'll get a thought about sports, faith, and life directly in your inbox, and so be sure to do that on unpackingit.com. Today on the show, we will talk about Trevor Lawrence, the comments he made to Sports Illustrated, some of the reaction that people have had to those comments, his reaction to the reaction, Uh, and I've got a lot of thoughts on this, a lot of layers to this conversation. I think this is an important conversation for us as followers of Jesus to discuss because Trevor Lawrence, uh, from from what we understand, is a follower of Jesus, and and, and people know that people are watching him because of that, and and so I think this is a, a, a an interesting topic, and, and curious to get your thoughts as a listener today as well uh, on this topic. Uh, today's unpack this will be about the draft and teams that think they're one player away, and how we have a similar mindset in life. And so we'll, we'll get into that in just a moment. We will also let you know what we're convinced of, and uh, we'll let you, uh, we'd love to hear from you as far as what you're convinced of this morning. Uh, as always, I am joined by Luke Heaton. We will say hello to him in just a moment. Also, Henry Bienamine, he's with us once again, helping us behind the scenes. And so great to have both of those guys With us today, our our other producer, Chris Allison, we thank him for all of his hard work as well. So a lot goes into uh, the Unpacking It podcast and and everything that we're doing here at Unpacking It Ministries. Uh, Before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Let's say good morning to Luke Heaton out in Texas. Luke, good morning. How are you? How was the weekend, man? It is good. The weekend was, well, finally, there was no, there was nothing going on on Saturday. So what was incredible is every weekend that Madeline and I have been married, we've had something on Saturday. So fi- we, we knew we had nothing on Saturday, so we said, hey, 
no alarms. We're going to wake up. The sun's not going to wake us up because we're going to sleep through sunshine or if it's dark, whatever. So we finally got out of bed at like 1130. She whipped up some pancakes, some eggs. It was... It was marvelous, and then yeah, it was a it was a productive weekend. Had a lot of school, a lot of sleep, so uh, I am very got a lot of energy. I feel like I went into hibernation this weekend, so now I'm uh, I'm ready to attack. I like it, and your studio's looking good. Uh, so you added some some new sports memorabilia to the backdrop, which I like. Uh, you may notice that there's a, a blank space on, on on my wall here. Right before the show, I tried to straighten. The marquee behind me that I, I, you know, I spent some time finding the correct letters to 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 type out. Uh, unpack this NFL draft. Well, as I was trying to straighten that out, whoo, down to the floor, letters everywhere, and we had to start the show. So now we've got a blank wall today. So there you go. But uh, but Henry, how are you, man? So you're uh, you're joining us on vacation. Where are you at? <laughs> Yeah, boys, what's going on? Um, I'm actually here out in Atlantic City. I'm here with my wife. I'm here with my son. Uh, He's got off this week for his spring break. He decided that he wanted to throw a temper tantrum, didn't want to stay home. So just to appease him, we decided that, hey, we needed a a break away from reality ourselves. So we headed down to Atlantic City. And uh, last night, we actually took in Gordon Ramsay's Pub and Grill. And if you guys ever get to the East Coast, Definitely a place to go to. Very cool. Well, have a That's have it. a great vacation, and we're excited that you're uh, you're with us this morning for the show. And we will hear more from Henry in just a little bit as we do uh, week number two of Tap Drill, a new segment here on the show. Tap around some of the the, the quick stories, some interesting stories uh, from the weekend and from the past week in sports. And so uh, we'll do that in just a little bit. But before we do, I'm convinced I have to share something with, with everyone. So on Saturday morning. We, uh, we, I don't usually use an alarm anyway. We just kind of wake up when, when you have a pregnant wife, she, she just wakes up early. And then when you have a 20 month old, she wakes you up. So one way or another, I'm getting, you know, awake every day, uh, awoken. I'm getting awoken. I'm getting awake. Um, so anyway, Saturday morning, we had what you call a yard sale and Luke, you know, you're living the, the, the newly married life, living the dream, having pancakes, we're, we're, we're setting up for a yard sale. And, and so it was a neighborhood yard sale. So, so other people around the neighborhood were, were getting involved with this. And, and this is our first uh, year in, in, this, in this neighborhood that we live in now. And so we didn't know what to expect. But as I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the tables set up with all of my and, and Jody's junk, right? This is junk that we no longer want in our house. And, and you start to think about it, You go, okay. All of this junk at one point we thought would be a great addition to the house. Yeah, we need this. We, we need this, this, this strange decorative item that, that we think will, will, will make the, the kitchen pop. It'll make the, the living room come alive. Well, now two years later, after spending $25 on that said item, we have now put that in our front yard for strangers to walk by and consider if they're willing to pay Two dollars for that weird <laughs> decorative item. There I am sitting, watching people pull up, you know, in their in their cars, get out, and and take a look at my junk, and and consider, okay, is this junk worthy 
of me getting out my little fanny pack with little little $1 bills and <laughs> hand them $2 bills for, for this no longer important item in our house. And, and I just find the whole thing uh, just fascinating. Like it's such a, a social uh, experiment. It's, it's a bizarre concept that I look around my house and figure out, okay, I don't want that. I don't want that. Jody doesn't want this. I thought, oh, we're not going to wear that anymore. Okay, we're not wearing that anymore. Uh, Maddie no longer is using this toy, so we're, we're going to sell it. And then somebody else gets up on their Saturday morning. They load up the car. They load up their kid. And they say, <laughs> we're going to go find somebody else's junk. It's yard sale gonna, time, baby. And we're going to fill our car with it. <laughs> we're going to bring it back to our house and add it to our other junk. I mean, can you, I mean, this is just, this is the craziest thing. And so all I spend my whole Saturday morning to make $75 is all my junk. That's what it was worth. That's not how about that. That's better. That's better than minimum wage. (laughs) Hey, one man's trash, another man's treasure. I'm sure you've got some, some gold in the Johnson household that, uh, that people just stole. What's, what's fascinating is the bartering process. So were you, uh. Were you kind of were you more of the pushover guy, like oh yeah, just take it, or were you were you fighting for that extra seventy five cents? I'm fighting for the seventy five cents <laughs> because I, like like a couple of times like I had you know I had a lady like hold up some shoes and she's like how much and I'm, you know, it's like a nice it was like a nice pair of sh- shoes that looks like Jody never wore and so I was like oh five dollars she puts them back down. And so, so I'm like, oh no, I said too much. Now I'm stuck with the shoes. So what are we going to do with the shoes now? Well, as she's leaving, I go, well, how much did you want? How much do you want to do for those shoes? She's like, oh, they don't fit anyway. So it's just like, ah, it was a, it was a, it was a lose, lose. And then I love the people that like, you know, we put $3 as the price tag and we'll do two. (laughs) I'm not doing doing two. It's unbelievable. $3. It's, it's, it's fascinating because so, so Madeline and I have been, Facebook marketplace junkies. We were, especially like moving in, furnishing the place. We've gotten a lot of stuff on Facebook marketplace and sold stuff, which on Facebook marketplace, you pretty can convenient. Get, yeah. And you can get, you can sell it for, for good prices. Whereas a yard sale, the culture of the yard sale is no matter how valuable this is, if it's above $4, I'm not taking it. And That's if right. it's listed as $4, I'm going to get it down to two. It, it makes no sense in the world because in what in what other there is no other environment where you can look at a pair of shoes and someone says I want five for it and you walk away. That's right. It, it That's makes right. it makes no sense. Well, and it's just so funny too. It's like who's going to be the bigger cheapskate? Because <laughs> the, you know That's the right. person that says, "All right, yeah, I'm not doing three. I'll do two. It's like, okay, well, you're being cheap. And then what? So I'm going to, now I'm going to fight for the extra dollar. So now I'm, 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 you know, not willing to get rid of something because of a dollar. It's just, it's just the funniest thing. And, and the idea too, that, that they're just going to like show up, look around and then not like something and then get in their car and leave. Oh, have a nice day. I mean, think about the awkward pleasantries that, that take place. <laughs> Let me let me take a look at your junk. Nope, this junk is not good enough for me. I'm out. Have a nice day. No, you have a nice day. You couldn't pay a dollar. We're, we're giving stuff away here. You're telling hey, me you, none of this stuff is good enough for you. You can flip stuff though. I mean, if you if you go to enough yard sales, garage sales, you can find some gold and flip it. It's almost it's like it's it's really fascinating. I think the biggest if if you 
could have walked, come on the show today and say, tell me I w- if you're like, all right, I'm going to explain I went to a yard sale without saying a word. I'm going to explain I hosted a yard <laughs> sale without saying a word. I would say the facial hair says it all. You've got a five o'clock shadow going. You never have a beard. It's almost like stress beard guy is out this morning. Didn't have time to shave. I'm so amped up from the yard sale. <laughs> I'm just stumbling into the show this morning. Just recovering from a brutal Saturday of selling selling junk. That's right. No, it's exactly it. And then and then you don't sell all the junk. And then what you're what are you supposed oh, to do with it? That's right. And, and it, like it's just a, it's, so now we give it to Goodwill. And and the reality is, people that show up to a garage sale, they know that if you don't sell it, they're you're getting you're getting rid of it. You've already gotten it out of your house, and so they they hold all the leverage. You have no leverage. Unless there's like two people there that are fighting over an item and you got to love the people that show up right at seven. They want to get the deals. And then you got to love the people that show up at about 11 when you're like winding down. And I I like, I had already put stuff in the car to take to Goodwill and then like uh, uh, somebody pulled up. So I'm taking it out of the car. Oh, oh, you want to buy this? Oh, you want to buy this? Oh, you don't want to buy it. Okay. Now I'm going to put it back in the car and now we're going to take it to Goodwill. It is fascinating because if you go early, you have more to pick from, more options. But if you go late, more likely to get it for free or way cheaper because everyone just wants to get it out of there. So yep. there, there, it, there's definitely some, some strategy to it. But the, the, the deal of the day, though, for me, being able to get rid of a filing cabinet that I didn't oh. want to move. Somebody took it for $7. So I made $7 <laughs> on a, filing, a red, ugly filing cabinet. Who uses a filing cabinet anymore? I was great. So, uh, so there you go. So that was my uh, that was my exciting weekend, and wow. and you gotta love garage sales. Oh my goodness, or a yard sale. And what's the difference? Are they gonna come in your garage and come in the yard? We like laid all my old clothes out on the yard. We didn't sell any of them. Nobody wanted my goofy <laughs> shorts that no longer fit. It, yeah. None of it. It was we like a, it was like either. a documentary of Bryce the last twenty five years. Just look at all the clothes <laughs> I've worn. <laughs> exactly exactly so all right let's jump into the show i had to get that off my chest i'm sitting there going you know what i'm going to talk about as i was sitting there saturday morning i'm going to talk about this on the show so i want to know if you are a yard sale person if you're listening today are you a yard sale guy do you go out and buy stuff what it what it what has that experience been like for you what is that dynamic like for you so uh you can leave your post on uh facebook or whatever all right so uh let's do i'm convinced and and i want to go back to to last week one of the big topics that ultimately will continue on a, a little bit longer but the the news that julian edelman was retiring from the nfl and it, we're still all holding out kind of wonder if he's going to join brady and gronk with the bucks but but here's what i'm convinced of i'm convinced the Pro Football Hall of Fame needs to figure out what their standard really is because I think it's too confusing. I, I don't understand who a Hall of Famer is or, or what the, the standard truly is because if I was in charge and me as a fan, to me, a Hall of Famer should be somebody that's a no-brainer. So I'm convinced that if you mention a name and, and, and immediately, whether you're a fan, you're a media member, you go, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer, without a doubt. There is no debate. He's a Hall of Famer. That, to me, is the guy that should go in to Canton. But what ends up happening, we, we have all these guys that, that don't really 
fit a true standard. And so now we negotiate and we we kind of come up with like reasons why a certain guy is more likable. He's he's uh, the, the the saying is you can't talk about the NFL and their history without mentioning this guy. So now he's a Hall of Famer. And, and I'm not I, to me. I don't like that. I, I want to be able to name a guy Peyton Manning Hall of Famer, Tom Brady Hall of Famer, and and maybe that's a really small group. And maybe it's only one or two guys a year. But but to me, that's man. There's something special about that 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 gold jacket. And in some ways, there have been guys that I like that I'm glad have gotten into the Hall of Fame just because I I like them. And 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 one guy that comes to mind, Kurt Warner, you know, a guy I've interviewed in the past. Was he a Hall of Famer? Was he a was he a clear cut, no question? Oh, absolutely, Hall of Famer. I to me that's that's a tough one. Like so, he's one of those guys that goes into that category. Uh, that's a little tough. And then I also th- this idea that. They're not a a first ballot Hall of Famer. So then they get in years later. Well, if you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer from the moment you retire. We all know you're a Hall of Famer. Like that's the standard that I personally prefer. Uh, that that oh yeah, Tony Gonzalez, the moment he retired, Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. But but now we get these other guys where, yeah, well, if you look at their playoff numbers, then he's a Hall of Famer. But if you look at his regular season, nah, eh, maybe not. Was Julian Edelman ever a best receiver in the league? No, he wasn't. Oh, well, so wait, so he should be a Hall of Famer? No, well, yeah, no, he's no, I, I think he should be because remember Tom Brady threw to him; he was his favorite wide receiver. So you got to have put more Patriots in the in the Hall of Fame, right? So anyway, I, I'm convinced there needs to be a, a different standard, uh, and so I I would not put Julian Edelman in as good of a player as he is, and and he's in the Super Bowl Hall of Fame. Right, I don't know what that is, but that that to me is what you know you think of him, and you go, oh yeah, Super Bowl Hall of Fame, definitely. Um, so that's what I'm convinced of, Luke. What are you convinced of today? Well, <clears throat> let me first comment on your on your take. What's interesting, I think Gronk somehow for TMZ, of course, of all people, found Gronk and uh, asked him, "Is Julian Edelman in, in the Hall of Fame?" He's like, "Well, for sure, Patriots Ring of Honor Hall of Fame." Um, yeah, but which is great. Which is a wonderful thing. I think it's it's hard. It's hard because I feel like the Hall of Fame has has kind of changed courses over time. It felt like before my time as a football fan, what I've read is it was really hard for safeties and defensive backs to get into the Hall of Fame because I guess there's there's less as an offensive player. Of course, you have so many metrics to look through and compare. It's hard to do that for a defensive player. So sure. there, there's certainly conversation about it on the defensive end. But I, I agree. In the offensive line, I agree. Yeah, often, yeah, absolutely. A little bit different. Absolutely. And and now we're we're heading into an era of more statistical analysis. There's more opportunity to compare. But two decades ago, really hard. It's it's it would there's definitely narrative builds into it. Uh, but I agree. I don't want it to be watered down. I want a Hall of Fame where, like, if you're a Hall of Famer, you want to be in the Hall of Fame and know that wow, everyone else in here. People think that they deserve to be in here. It's almost like if, if if people start entering the Hall of Fame and you're in the Hall of Fame, it's almost like, man, is this really as impressive now? Because I want it to feel like a really exclusive club of all timers. So I, I yeah. agree with you with that. I don't know the best way to do that, but I I agree. You want to protect it. What yeah, and to me, it's almost like if you're a household name, especially when you're talking like positional players. It's like, are you a are you, are you a household name? So that's one kind of criteria. And then to me, it's like, were you 
one of the top three best at your position for the majority of your career. So if you only played eight years, but you were the best for all eight years, well, yeah, then you're a Hall of Famer. And and so, yeah. so anyway, yeah, I mean, offensive line, some of the other positions, kickers, punters, you know, th- those have to maybe be evaluated a little bit differently. But it's almost like if you were a, a great quarterback for your team, so like Phillip Rivers, he's going to make it to the Hall of Fame most likely just because he was the great quarterback for the Chargers for so long. And he, yeah. he barely missed a game. But was he ever a top three quarterback? I don't think so. Is he a household name? Maybe, but but not to the extent of of some of these other guys that you know. Drew Brees, no brainer, Hall of Famer. Um, so that, that's where I come yeah, out. Which on that. again, which again is perspective because a lot of Pats fans and, and there's there's plenty of fans I'm sure thinking Julian Edelman big time plays in the postseason. For some people, that's enough to get into the Hall of Fame. And then for some people, as soon I honestly feel bad for Edelman. As soon as he retired, no one appreciates his career. It's just, <laughs> is he in the Hall of Fame? No, he's not. Or yes, he is. I'm like, can we just celebrate his career? I know. Because gr- great career. But it was. Cause, and cause, kind of what, where he came from, you know. Yeah. Being a, a, a quarterback, yeah, moving absolutely. wide receiver, seventh-round pick, pretty cool. Plenty of people immediately started comparing his stats to Heinz Ward, who's not in the Hall of Fame, and it's not even close. Heinz Ward blows him out of the water. Not even close. But I don't think Heinz Ward is a Hall of Famer. And that's yeah, it's a, that's a fair perspective. But yeah, and I'm not even sure Jerome Bettis is a Hall of Famer, but he's in. He got in. But to me, was he ever a top three running back? I don't know. That's tough. P- Pittsburgh fans will be mad at me now. Same with Big Ben. Is Big Ben a Hall of Famer? I don't know. I don't know. If, was he ever at the top three? I, I know this su- Super Bowl success, but it's almost like we overvalue that. And that's in some ways, I guess that's the whole point of the NFL. You want to win the Super Bowl, so those are the guys that that end up being the best. But uh, anyway, it's, it's just an interesting interesting debate. I'm sure it'll continue. Yeah. So what I'm convinced of, this is definitely local flair. But it, it could be projected to uh, more teams. So I'm convinced that I should be worried. I should start getting worried about Luka leaving the Mavs. Ooh. Now, you ha- for those listening, you have every reason to interpret what I'm saying as being pessimistic. Because I, I am a, pessim- a pessimistic sports fan. So, if that's the, if that's the way you want to hear it, by all means, you're a Cowboys but, fan. Yeah, I'll, D- Dallas sports till I die. I'm loyal. I'm a loyal fan, especially. I, like I got a Jayhawk basketball clock on this side. Looking the Big good. 12, the Big Twelve basketball is evolving. I'm of course I'm loyal to the Jayhawks. Their day, their day <laughs> of winning the Big Twelve every year is over. But, uh, so listening to a lot of the local beat guys on the radio. They are very concerned that if Mark Cuban does not quickly figure out a way to put talent around Luka, it's going to be a LeBron leaving Cleveland situation all over again. And I don't think that's unrealistic. I think Dallas fans, myself included, can easily take Dirk's loyalty for granted. Ah, good point. Because Dirk's loyalty is... It is unmatched. Unmatched. Kobe. Maybe Kobe. Duncan. But Kobe wanted to leave LA at one point in his career. It's spec- yeah, that, that's, there's that's debate fine. about it. But Dirk, I'm sure Dirk took a phone call as well from someone. Sure. But but Kobe has a great story of trying to recruit Dirk, and Dirk's like, hey, Dallas is my city. I'm here. Like Dirk's loyalty is unmatched. And I don't want Mavs fans to take that for granted and thinking, oh, Luca, another Euro player, another success. Oh, he's another he's another Dirk. Oh yeah, he'll stay here forever. 
There is no reason to believe that. If you compare him to all the great superstars in all NBA history, especially in this generation of basketball players and player empowerment, players moving, wanting rings. Hey, if you want a ring, that's a great desire. Players are saying now, I can leave because we can we can sign the Mavs can sign Luca after his rookie contract, but then after that contract is over, he can leave. So basically, Dallas has seven years with Luca to figure it out before he can he he actually can leave. And if I'm Luca, hey, I, I can't speak for his loyalty, but if I'm seeing if if I'm looking at my talent, which is top five already in the NBA, already an MVP MVP candidate. And my Let's franchise watch. is not putting talent around me. There's plenty of history to show that he will leave. Yeah. And, and I think even Zion Williamson probably goes in that category as well. Yeah. They're going to have to build around him. Otherwise, he's, he's going to the Knicks. So uh, that's, that, that already is going to start bubbling up. So, yeah, no, I think it's a great, great point. And, and you know, it's tough as, as fans. You know, here in Charlotte, we've got uh, Lonzo Ball. So, how, you know, how will the Hornets build around him and continue to build this culture so that, that he sticks around? Now, he's still young and still has a long way to go to, to prove his, his, his worth and become a superstar. But, uh, yeah, it, all, all markets have to deal with that. You got you to gotta keep your stars and, and, and win. And even teams like, you know, Golden State, you bring in Kevin Durant, you win championships, he's still going to leave. So it, you're always trying to keep these guys happy. You know, Houston, they didn't win enough with James Harden and you know, all the moves that they tried to make. And, and it's it's a tricky, tricky game in the NBA. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Luke, Luca's, uh, Luca's an incredible player. Uh, it'd be fun for him to stick around in Dallas, but uh, no I, guarantee. I, and I just don't want I don't I don't want Dallas to be naive. Like Luca is incredibly like a fun player, easy to root for. He definitely is, has his fair share of technical fouls, but he's the teammates love him. He's always got a smile on his face. Don't take that for granted. That doesn't mean yeah. he's going to be loyal. So you've got the the clock is officially ticking. On you only have probably four years left to really figure something out or he can leave. Yep. That's it. So uh, we'll, we'll do a tap drill coming up. We'll do a whole segment on Trevor Lawrence and the comments that he made, but let's jump into unpack this. And I want to talk about the NFL draft and what's so interesting at, you know, the, the, the days and, and weeks leading up is as people take a look at, at mock drafts and you hear all the analysis, the, the conversation is about, team needs right what what does a team need and, and what, what what is a team you know hoping to accomplish in the draft and and this is where the conversation goes though from a, a team's perspective they're thinking all right once we get a quarterback then we'll be good once we get that defensive tackle then we'll be ready for the Super Bowl once we get a linebacker and a cornerback and a wide receiver then we'll be a playoff team and so they go into the draft hoping to, you know, uh, accomplish that and, and, and hope to, to get that position that they're, they're longing for. They're, they're hoping to get that one player that they really desire. And sometimes they'll even, you know, trade up to get that guy because they think if we can just get Mitchell Trubisky, if you're the Bears, you trade up, you get Mitchell Trubisky. 
that will solve all of our quarterback concerns of all the decades of issues at the quarterback position if we could just trade up and get our guy, Mitchell Trubisky. And so teams are are going through this. They're, they're, They're looking to fill that hole on offense, that missing link on defense. Then they'll be all set. But what happens? Oftentimes a player doesn't really live up to the hype. And even though the GM thought that a player would solve all of the team's problems, the coach isn't satisfied with that player's production. And, and so the reality is teams are never really happy until they win a Super Bowl. And even then, it doesn't last long because they want to win again. So even when they get the quarterback that they think they want, even when they get the receiver, they think it's going to solve all their problems. And then even when they actually win the Super Bowl, it still it ends up never being uh, uh, enough. Uh, even if temporary, you know, happiness and, and excitement for winning a Super Bowl uh, does take place, they're always on to the next one. And so, <clears throat> what I want to do today is, as we we take a look at our own lives and, and look at kind of the, the faith perspective on this topic, is, is comparing a team chasing success, looking to to the draft as the the next opportunity to fill all their team's perceived needs, and compare it to our own chase for success in the form of happiness. Because oftentimes what we're really chasing is we just want to be happy. We, we want, we were chasing happiness. And, and so what this is, this is kind of our, our mentality is we tell ourselves that once we get fill in the blank, once we get the promotion, once we get married, once we have the baby, once we get the house, once we have a million dollars, once we get the car, then we'll be happy. Then we'll be good. And, and once we get to this certain level, this certain milestone, this next thing, then we'll be good. And, and so, you know, it's kind of this, this idea where we're, we're trying to fill a void. We're, we're, we're trying to fill the, the perceived need, just like an NFL team. Like, okay, once I get the quarterback, so to speak, once I get the house, then, then I'll be good. And the reality is happiness can be fleeting. And, and so what we really want, and, and the good news is what is actually attainable is contentment, being content, being satisfied, being fulfilled, being cheerful, unworried, at ease, at peace. That's really what we want. We think that, 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 that a car or a house or a job or, or marriage is going to solve this, this happiness issue, uh, but what we really long is for that deep contentment deep fulfillment, deep satisfaction. That's what our soul is longing for. And anything else that we're trying to fill that that void apart from Jesus is going to leave us longing for more, unsatisfied, and, and unfulfilled. It's not that those things, those other things are bad, and they and they, they contribute to our, our enjoyment of life. There's no question. It's it's great to have a, a nice house and drive a car that we like, and of course, marriage is very fulfilling and very uh, you know joyful. But it's also really really hard. And so, if we think that marriage is going to solve all of our deepest longings, we're, we're going to be disappointed. It's it's not going to happen. Um, it's not it's not it's not going to be Mitchell Trubisky level, but uh, <laughs> it'll 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 help. It'll contribute to some of that. But it's not the deepest longing of our soul. And so. Uh, you know, we struggle with this idea of contentment in our lives. And, and even as followers of Jesus, we get distracted. We get caught up in, in chasing other things. And we wonder, we're like, man, why am I not content? Why am I struggling 
with discontentment, well, it's because we're chasing the next thing. We're, we're looking for that missing piece, that, that one hole in our lives that we think is going to make something, you know, make things better. And we have to remind ourselves, whoa, 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 contentment is found in Jesus Christ and, and our affection, our joy, our, our peace being rooted in him. And, and so let's go to a familiar scripture. We all know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But oftentimes, we forget the two verses that come before it. And it's so important because Paul writes about this, and, and this is what he says. Uh, this is Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that, I have ever, uh, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So contentment is found when we we fully rely on Christ and we rely on him to give us strength to get through whether we have a lot, whether we have a little, whether our circumstances are good, whether our circumstances are bad, we can continue to be content, fulfilled, satisfied, at ease, at peace, because Jesus empowers us to be able to do that and be that uh, no matter the circumstance. So let's take a look at the the Amplified Version, which gives us uh, just kind of a, a more context and understanding of, of what these verses mean. This is what Paul writes. Not that I speak from any personal need, for I have learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or uneasy regardless of my circumstances. I know how to get along and live humbly in difficult times, and I also know how to enjoy abundance and live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing life, whether well-fed or going hungry, whether having an abundance or being in need. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Woo! How powerful is that? How incredible is that? That's what contentment is. That's what we're really after. We're chasing all these other things. Once I get this, once I get that, once I get that, uh, all of those things are bonuses. Seek first the kingdom and, 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 and find our, our inner strength, our inner peace, our contentment in Christ through him who gives us strength. So that's the encouragement for us today. That's what I desire. That's what I want. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not about the, oh, once I get a quarterback, it's not, it's not going to last. It's, it's, it's not as fulfilling as we, as we think it is. And so, uh, Luke, I'll, I'll, I'll hand it off to you. Uh, any thoughts on, on contentment and, and always chasing after the, the next thing that we think is going to bring that contentment? Yeah, it's an incredible, incredible reminder for anyone listening, myself included, because it is so easy to think, oh, I'll just get here and then I'll be content. I'm experiencing yep. that right now. I just got married through throughout wedding planning or any of the stresses in life. Oh, once Madeline and I get married, it'll be fine. No more worries, <laughs> no more stress, no more struggles. We'll be married, and then we'll go from there. Newsflash, marriage <laughs> is great. I love Madeline. She's an amazing wife. I love our life together. But – 
being married does not take away worries, does not take away difficult things in life, does not take away my requirement of being obedient to the spirit as it leads me to fighting sin. Like all, none of that stuff changes. So it's such a good reminder. And, and I, if I look back throughout my whole life, there every year I'm probably looking forward to the next thing. Looking right. forward. Once I graduate once I, college. Yeah. Yeah. Once, once I, in middle school, once I make the team, oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Okay. Well, what's coming next? Another thing to worry about. Once I graduate high school, oh, I'll be fine. I can just hang out for the summer. Okay. What's next? Oh, now I'm worried about college. Once I graduate college and on and on and on and on, there's always something more to worry about, something more to want, to crave, to desire. And it's fascinating. I'm, I'm sure that plays into there's plenty of of religions or, or, or faiths that try to cut out all desire because they see desire as bad because, mm -hmm. oh, there's always something more. It's taking, it's taking, taking us away from joy. Christian, God does not ask us to take away all of our desire. Because this, yes, this world's broken, but there's still blessings. There's still things to enjoy. God still created this world. There's still good in it, even though it's a, a broken and fallen world. There's no And he guilt. gives us desires. Yeah, and he gives us desires. There's no guilt to enjoy things. It's just, is it in the perspective of what really matters? Are we content if we don't have it? Because... Are we content if the only thing we have is salvation? Mm. Because right. is there anything more valuable than having salvation, than being purchased by God through Christ? Amen. That is contentment. And I'm saying it now, but I have to remind myself every day. Even as right. I say it, I'm speaking to myself because there's always things I want more than God every day. There's always things I find my, my heart and my mind chasing after when I could sit back and say, wow, I've been purchased. I've been redeemed. I don't have to figure out a way to somehow have a relationship with God because he has done the work for me. I can live now. That's freedom. Now I, can, now I am freed up to live. I don't have this burden of, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen when I die? I, I know I have sin. I know I'm not perfect. What is God like? Well, he's revealed himself to me. He has saved me. I'm freed up to live. I can be content now knowing that I have the most important thing. But man, is it so hard. So what's really important is, for me, surrounding myself with people that can remind me that. Surrounding myself with people right. that can... Like we often hear from God through his word, through his spirit, and through his people... And I found it really helpful that I have people speaking truth to me because it's easy to buy lies. Lies in this world are so just they look so appetizing. And one lie is always want more. There's always more. There's something else. So such a good reminder that I definitely needed to hear. And I'll probably need to hear the rest every day of the rest of my life. That's right. That's right. Because we, we live in a world where it's always a little more, a little more. Once you get this, once you get that. Once you do this, then you'll really make it. Then you'll really find happiness. But contentment is available right now. And when you have contentment and you have Christ, man, that's a that's a wonderful way way to live, and it changes your perspective on everything. And so that's what I, I I'm I'm desiring to to live in that contentment, to to live understanding the strength that that I have in Christ, 
uh, that, that circumstances change up and down, all that. Okay, I can remain content, remain steady, remain at peace uh, in him. So that's the encouragement for us today. Uh, and so I hope that, that everyone's willing to unpack that and, and kind of consider, okay, am I always chasing? All right, once I get the quarterback, once I get the wide receiver, then I'll be good. Uh, but to say, no, I'm, I'm good now. I'm good right now because I'm, I'm, I'm living in Christ, for Christ, with Christ, uh, which is wonderful. All right, let's, let's get into the, this big topic that, that I'm excited to talk about because I think there's so many layers to it. I'm curious, the, the listeners today, your thoughts on the comments made by Trevor Lawrence. And, and so basically, we all know at this point that the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're all in on drafting Clemson star Trevor Lawrence. He had an, an incredible career at Clemson, won a ton of games. He won a ton of games when he was in high school as well, uh, put up ridiculous numbers, seems to have all of the uh, uh, metrics when it comes to you know size and arm strength and, and accuracy and, and all those sort of things. He, he's kind of been labeled as this, this can't-miss prospect. Well, what we can't quantify is somebody's heart, desire, passion, mindset, uh, all of those kinds of things, it really is what it comes down to. Because there are a lot of talented guys that come into the, the NFL, and we're talking about the draft, and we, we look at the, uh, the, the, the combine and the pro days and, and all these sort of things, but the guys that end up you know, staying and having longevity in the NFL guys that play at, 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 a, at a high level for, for a long time, they have the intangibles. They have the work ethic. They have the, the, the drive to be great, the drive that, all right, I, I'm going to get to this next level of success. And so they're, they're, they're chasing after this success, kind of like what we were talking about. But that's what we see in sports. That's what we see in the NFL. And so now Trevor Lawrence's passion and all, all of that seems to be uh, questioned based on the comments that he made to Sports Illustrated. He said this, that, that he doesn't have a huge chip on his shoulder. It's hard to explain that because I want people to know that I'm passionate about what I do and it's really important to me, but I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. I just don't have that. I can't manufacture that. I don't want to. I think people mistake that for being a competitor. I think that's unhealthy to a certain extent. Just always thinking that you've got to prove somebody wrong, that you've got to do more, you've got to be better. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence's father, Jeremy, also said that his son is not a win a Super Bowl at all costs type of person. So Trevor Lawrence responded. He says, it seems as if people are misreading my sentiment. Uh, he says, I am internally motivated. I love football as much as as much or more than anyone. It's a huge priority in my life. Obviously, I am driven to be the best I can be and to maximize my potential and to win. I have a lot of confidence in my work ethic. I love to grind and chase my goals. You can ask anyone who has been in my life. That being said, I am secure in who I am and what I believe. I don't need football to make me feel worthy as a person. I purely love the game and everything that comes with it the work, the team, the ups and downs. I am a firm believer in the fact that there is a plan for my life and I'm called to be the best I can be at whatever I am doing. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, LOL. All right, so there, there you go. All right, 
So I've got a couple couple thoughts on this. There's to me, there's so much oh, to this. So much. This is a juicy, juicy topic. Juicy. So, all right. So we're coming at this from a similar perspective as Trevor, meaning we are followers of Jesus, recognizing that the most important thing in life is not winning a Super Bowl. It is not being the most successful quarterback. That is not what's most important in life. And, and this idea that, that we have, you know, we've, we've elevated success and sports success and we're sports fans. And so what we want is we want our players to be totally sold out to our team, to being great. We, we, if we see them, if we see, uh, you know, Tom Brady jumping off a waterfall, we're thinking, what are you doing? You can't be jumping off a waterfall. You need to be preparing for, for the next Super Bowl. Or, or if we see our, uh, you know, if we, I'm in Charlotte, if I see a player out, out and about, hanging out, going to the movies, what, what are you doing at the movies? You, you need to be at home watching game film. <laughs> and so uh, I saw DJ Augustine one time, uh, former Bobcat at the did, movies. Did you chew uh, about? You said, "What are you watching yeah, movies hey, for? Why aren't you watching film?" You guys have won ten games this year. No <laughs> wonder you're out here at the movies. What, 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 what are we doing here? The, the born identity. Oh, we don't yeah. have time for the born identity. <laughs> You're, no you're, you're John Adam from the back row. That's right. That's right. So, so we we have we have respected and elevated athletes for being so dedicated and committed to their craft, as we say. We love the word the craft, right? The craft, <laughs> the craft. being a quarterback, yeah. whatever that means. Their craft, and <laughs> and so we've we've in many ways like we're so out of whack. Because we've even this this infiltrates our own lives. Because so often, like I was just talking about earlier, we're chasing success. We're chasing. We want to be the the, the very best. We want to, uh, you know, make these huge sacrifices in order to be the best. And and so there's like this fine line of wanting to be excellent, wanting to work hard, wanting to work for the glory of God. So as followers of Jesus, we want to do things well, but at what expense? And is that a bigger priority? Is being the best, according to worldly standards, more important than our character? More important than the commitment that we have first to our, our ministry at home, being a, a husband, father, and, and taking care of the people that you know that that we, we that God has entrusted us uh, with? Or are we, you know, sacrifice all that? I'm I'm all in, and I, I just want to be the very best. And so this is, this is all that goes on in our culture and, and it plays out in a big way in sports culture. And so here's Trevor Lawrence saying, yeah, I'm good with who I am. And, and read between the lines. We know that he finds his identity in Christ. He's, he's been outspoken about his faith uh, for a number of years since, since being at Clemson. And, and so I love and respect Trevor Lawrence's perspective. I think he's got a wonderful head on his shoulders. At the same time, if I'm drafting number one, I find these these comments very concerning. <laughs> so when I'm looking at this from a football perspective, I find these comments very concerning because because I look at Tom Brady and and sure he's he's been a husband and father and we you know it seems like he's you know he does other things as well and he's found a decent balance. But this guy lives, breathes, loves football, and and I would. From my perspective, it seems like he loves football more than anything else. Like it appears that way from the outside looking in. So if you want to be the best, it's almost like that's what it's gonna, that's what it's gonna take. It's like that's the commitment that it takes to have a long career. And so 
if I'm Jacksonville, I'm wondering, I don't know, in a few years after Trevor Lawrence has played five, six years, he may leave and say, no, I don't need this anymore. And like from a, a faith perspective, good for him. Go live your life. If God calls you to do something else, go do something else. You, you made some money. Maybe maybe now he, he can have an impact in a new way. And so, so anyway, let me pause there. Luke, let me let you jump in a little bit. Uh, curious the thoughts from, from listeners today uh, as well and, and jump in on this on this topic. Oh, it's just like there's so many layers. Oh, it, so where do you start? Where do you start, Luke? I start with I love his comments from a faith perspective. I wish he would have explicitly said Christ or like talked about the gospel because it almost seems like if you're going to say it, man, yeah, just say, say it. it, just say yeah. it because yeah. If you're if you're not if you're just gonna say his comments and take that it is, not everyone understands his background as a Christian. Like, mm-hmm. just say it. Like, we can respect that. Exp- explain your worldview. Don't just kind of give us a little tease, and then hope we and then hope we kind of understand where you're coming from. Like, like say it. So that that's that's my problem with his statement is. You didn't actually explain everything. Like, yeah. I want to hear Christ. I want to hear gospel. I want to hear why. Can you actually explain the whole thing instead of kind of, I'm going to give a watered-down version. I don't know if people are going to hate what I'm saying about Christ. I don't, I don't know his, I don't know his, I'm not going to speak for his uh, His mindset, his yeah, perspective. But he's been, he has been very outspoken over he the ha- years. And, and everybody has. knows. I mean, everybody seems to know where he stands with his faith. And he has, but in this, as you're entering the NFL, I think, especially if you're going to come out and say this, you got to explain the whole, the whole thing. Don't just kind of, uh, let us kind of hear a little bit of it. That's my problem. And as a Christian, I want to hear the boldness of the gospel. Um, so, but from us as Christians, knowing his perspective, obviously we agree like there's, there's nothing. Super Bowl or yes. bust is not a mentality. Yeah. Super a Bowl pro. at all costs. Yeah, at all costs. Also, so yeah, so I agree with that a hundred percent. Of course, following Christ, obedience, faithfulness, light years more important than winning a Super Bowl. This idea of you, and I just have, I, I kind of want to check the league because how many players actually disagree with Trevor but won't say it. Because that's a great this, point. That's this a great per- point. I, I bet, I bet most of the league is siding with Trevor Lawrence. Whether from it doesn't have to be from a Christian perspective, but this idea that you have to have a chip on your shoulder, I bet most people lie about that because there's pressure. Like, oh yeah, I got to act tough. I got to have this chip on my shoulder. I got to be better than everyone. No, you don't. Why are you saying that? You don't operate like that. You're gonna say. There's a few people. Kobe always said it. I'm sure Ray Lewis always said that. But even then, like, do you actually, like, what what does that actually take to always, it's do or die Super Bowl, championship, championship, because all these guys have downtime. All these guys go on vacations. They all, like, <laughs> the are, they, off waterfalls. Yeah, they go they go to the movies. And why, why do we hold them to this? It's a fake standard that... No one, I don't think for a second anyone lives up to it, but it's just like you pre, you pretend to hold up to the standard of I always have a chip on my shoulder. 
I'm always Super Bowl or die mentality. But no, I don't think anyone actually lives up to that. And why do we hold people playing a game to that standard? It seems almost just silly because we don't <sighs> hold teachers to that standard. Like, I want to be the best teacher ever. But it's like, okay, if my favorite basketball player isn't championship at all costs, they can't have any free time. They can't, if they're not watching film, they're making a mistake. I just don't buy it. I don't buy that players actually live live up to that. Yeah, see, I'm probably not all the way with what you're saying because I, I do think guys have a genuine chip on their shoulder, and I think a guy like Aaron Rodgers operates that way. And we, we just saw the, the year that he had kind of as people were doubting him after the past Packers drafted a, a quarterback. It, it motivated him in a, in a different way. Um, so, yeah, the chip on the shoulder, the yeah, what drives you uh, is an interesting question. It's not always easy to quantify or explain. Um, but But if... To me, if a player has other interests beyond the sport and 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 doesn't need football, and we'll just talk football in particular because football is such a toll on you physically and mentally. And and so uh, eventually, I was just listening to a Luke Keekley uh, podcast. Actually, it was Luke Keekley with Luke Combs. It was an awesome podcast. Wow. Side note, uh, I was doing that as I was mowing the lawn. Um, but but Luke Keekley retired retired early, and part of that was was health reasons. But but to me, and like you think about Andrew Luck who retired early, like if they if they can see beyond football and they they have other interests and 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 see you know just see life in, in a full scope, they're willing to walk away. And so that's why to me, like with Trevor Lawrence in particular, like I could see him retiring in a couple of years. Like I, he wouldn't necessarily play. 20 years like he doesn't he doesn't have to he doesn't need that he's already married he's probably gonna be starting a family like because he's getting married so early you would assume his hope and his wife's hope would be that you'd start a family so all those things happen now you could bring up the the case of Drew Brees Drew Brees has claimed to be a man of faith had a long career played for you know played for a long time in in New Orleans and and had that drive to be great uh so so how did he do it uh so there, there are examples of that but I think this idea that you it requires a sold out attitude to have this long career that's 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 where i lean i lean toward that so i think i'm a little different than than you luke it sounds yeah. like you you think guys can still get it done and and have a career even if it's not this i've got a chip on my shoulder i i want to i want to you know be the greatest type of mentality i don't yeah i don't think you have to have that i think you can love the game and want to do your best I don't think, but, but doing your, to me, doing your best is different than the drive to be the best. So like, 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 cause, cause early on in my career, I, my mentality probably was more, I want to be the best radio host ever. Like that was, I was driven and I was, I, I, I like, I didn't. I, I made a lot of sacrifices early in my career because I was all in on being a radio guy. That, that was my motivation. That was my passion. It was all in. It was all in on that. Now, at this point, I still want to be my best, but not at the expense of my faith, my family. Like, those are a bigger priority to me now. And so I still want to improve. I still want to do this show with excellence. I want to lead a ministry with excellence. But my my mentality isn't, we have to have the greatest podcast of all time. Or, or we have yeah. to be the greatest, most successful ministry in the history 
of ministry. Because to me, that's a different mindset. Because then it means you got to make total like you got to make big sacrifices and and other things take a hit if that becomes your mentality. And so I'm not sure that that Trevor Lawrence and I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but does Trevor Lawrence want to be the greatest quarterback of all time? I, I by reading these comments, that wouldn't be my perception. I think he wants to play hard. He's got talent. He'll do what he can. He'll play as long as you know as long as he still enjoys it. But if the Jaguars stink, which my guess is they will five years from now, and he's running for his life because they never built an offensive line, and he looks around and goes, all right, I got a beautiful wife. We're starting a family. I love the Lord. I want to serve him. I'm out. Like, that to me seems very realistic. That's a possibility. And so, again, going back to my point, if I'm Jacksonville, is that is that the guy that I want? I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a toss-up. It's a tough thing. It's like, from, from a Christian perspective, from a Christian worldview, you, I think you, I want to do my best is that can you can be maxed out with that. I think this idea of working hard in whatever you're doing. I think I, I like I'm totally okay if that's Trevor Lawrence's mentality of I'm a I'm a man of faith first, I'm obedient to Christ first. And yeah, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to do my best to be a great quarterback. But I don't think he, you have to have the mindset of I have to do Everything possible, even cutting corners, sacrificing character, sacrificing obedience to God to be the greatest. I think he could get to—anyone could get to the greatest without having to make sacrifices on character. Now, the system is set up probably that you would have to make character sacrifices and kind of toss away things that really matter more than sports. But I think in theory you can get there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I don't think a majority of the league is willing to sacrifice character to get there. I think there's yeah. there's few players that do that. Um, so yeah, and, well, I yeah. do agree with you that I think there is a level of fake tough guy. Oh, I live, breathe football. Like that's it. That's all. That's all there is. And and yeah, guy guys do have other interests, but I think. The question for me is when the circumstance gets tough and you consider, is it, is it worth it? Like, is it worth the toll on my body? What, like, maybe I could do something else. Like when it gets to that point. And so, whereas some guys, they will hang on for as long until a team says you're out, you know what I mean? Versus the guys that choose to leave. Cause many of these guys, they're hanging on because their identity is wrapped up in football and it's, I've got to play because I don't know what else to do. I, I My life outside of football is nothing. And so I do think there are plenty of guys like that that hang on to way long careers and they'll yeah. take pay cuts just to keep playing on a team and, and being at training camp every year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so no, this it, it's hard to get into the, the, the mind and heart of people. Um, but again, I respect Trevor Lawrence. I'm rooting for him. I like him. I think he's great. I think he was awesome at Clemson. But but I do wonder if a, a a long five Super Bowl winning career is ahead of him, and and so that's that's probably where the debate comes in for me. I, I can see that, as and, and I think I'd agree with you, as as it, in the Jaguars front office, not comments you want to hear because of the standard that's already been set. In this is the mentality we think it takes 
to be the greatest of all time. You have to come out and say, I'm willing to sacrifice everything. This is everything to me. I'm laying my life on the line to win a Super Bowl. That's kind of the narrative that's been set on a quarterback, uh, any other position. you got to have that mentality. I just don't think you have to have that mentality to have great success. Uh, but I understand if Jaguars fans and Jaguars front office are concerned because his comments, I don't think that most of the league would disagree with him, but his comments are go against the narrative of what it takes to be great. I just don't think that's yeah. what it takes to be great. All right. That's no, that's good. I, I'm, I'm with you. And, and ultimately, though, the question for us as followers of Jesus is what kind of greatness are we pursuing? Yeah. Are we great in the eyes of the Lord? Are we great in the eyes of the world? And and so I think for some of us, we try to like we kind of mix that in a little bit and, it, and it, it creates a little bit of tension in our lives. But if our desire is to be great for the Lord and great in his kingdom, like that should be our motivation. And that may or may not include being great at, at football. It may or may not be great at, at, at business like that, that to me is what it, what it comes down to. It doesn't mean that you can't. It doesn't, it does, that's not necessarily the case. God calls some of us to you know, certain industries and, and certain levels of worldly success, ultimately for his glory and his purposes. But if our desire and motivation is just to be great by the world's standards and to, to win a bunch of Super Bowls and you know, just to have millions of dollars because, I, oh, I accomplished it and I got a million dollars, like that, then we've got to check our heart a little bit. Because what is greatness? And ultimately, all those other things, like the Super Bowls, all that stuff fades away. But if we're, if as we're pursuing Super Bowls and, and whatever that means in our own lives, along with Jesus, and he takes us to another level and takes us to another level and our character remains the same and our commitment to him remains the same, then sure, that's cool. And so we've seen guys like that. I mentioned Kurt Warner earlier. You know, he he, he won Super Bowls and yet his his character remained the same. Tony Dungy. A successful coach, but also for Tony Dungy, he stopped coaching eventually. He's like, all right, I'm out. I'm gonna go do some other things. He could still be coaching. Bill Belichick's still coaching. So, so anyway, that that's kind of my my main point with it all too. So, um, I think it's very interesting. And, and honestly, I wouldn't mind talking about this again next week. I think there's some some other uh, directions yeah. to go with it as well. No, it's, it's it's a very good topic, and I'm I'm it's very fresh. I'm trying to sort my thoughts because it's yeah. It's almost like, whoa, uh, it, it's very, it, it takes, I'm taken aback at the comments because they're so new compared to what, I mean, no one, no one says that. But, <laughs> no. Yeah, no one says what Trevor Lawrence says, which makes it very profound. Yeah. And, and who knows? God, God may take him to, to, to very high heights in, in football and, and hopefully, you know, along the way, Trevor Lawrence is able to, to point people to Christ and, and have a, have a big impact. I, uh, yeah. but, I, but just hope, at, I just hope if he doesn't have a successful career that people blame it on this I, I, and look back, oh, well, he, he never had the mindset. He never wanted to be great. I but, think you can want to be great. I think he – I think – I know he genuinely I, – I, I, there's no way he doesn't want to be great. But at what cost? He knows but, what but, he wants to be greater at, which is yeah, the man of faith. That's right. And if he has a failed career and it's because he put Jesus first – that's okay. Amen to that. And like, look at, look at Tim Tebow. Like people give him a hard time. He, he had a failed career, but guess what? He continues to follow the Lord. From what we understand, he continues to follow the Lord. He puts the Lord first. He's yeah. a winner. 
Yeah. T- Tim Tebow, he's win- he's winning in, in, in regards to what matters. Yes. And we think, oh, he failed at baseball or he, he failed in the NFL. Did you see did you see those throws in Denver? That doesn't matter. Look at what look at the, the impact that Tim Tebow continues to have on people with, with his foundation and, and just his life and the example that he is. That's what matters. So, you know, and I think he worked hard. I, th- I think he, you know, he did what he could to, to make it in both football and basketball, but it was never at the expense. And, and maybe if he was even more all in, who knows, maybe he would have been better, but it doesn't matter. It wasn't, it wasn't worth it. It's not worth his, his soul. It's not worth the, what, what matters in the kingdom and for eternity. Yeah. And so we've got to change our mind. Trust me. I I've been on the, on the path and I, I, I rear off a little bit at times where I'm chasing worldly success, world uh, acclaim or attention or whatever it is, we all we all get caught up in that. What matters most? So we got to reevaluate it. It's an important thing. So, um, all right. <laughs> so there you go. The other the other uh, point that I was going to make, and and Henry did a ton of research on this, but I'm going to have to table it for next week because we're we're running out, out of time. But just the idea from a uh, success football standpoint with Trevor Lawrence. The top quarterback on the top team coming out of college football doesn't always translate. And it's interesting, the, the types of guys that do end up doing well and the guys that are doing well in the NFL now, they, they weren't on those championship teams. They, they, weren't, they weren't playing on the undefeated Alabama teams. The, you know, I guess Oklahoma has done well, but they didn't, they didn't win a championship. Uh, where are the Ohio State quarterbacks at, right? So we'll, we'll look at that a little bit more next week. Of course, Deshaun Watson did win at Clemson, and so Trevor Lawrence, uh, from that regard, winning at Clemson maybe makes a case for that. But I, but I just started thinking about, okay, do championship-winning quarterbacks, how do they translate to the NFL? Can you even think about Heisman Trophy winners to a certain extent? Uh, and so as we're looking for, okay, who's going to be the best quarterback from this crop of players uh, in this draft class, uh, maybe a little bit different than than what we think. Because who thought Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming was going to be maybe the, the the you know one of the top quarterbacks coming out of that 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 group? Uh, even though he went early, we as fans were thinking, "Oh, come on, Josh Allen!" No, and then he was an MVP can, candidate last year. So we'll, we'll we'll tease that. We'll get into that maybe a little bit more next week as we as we dive even more into the NFL draft. But let's bring. Henry back up with us. He's uh, he's on vacation, so we got to let him get back to vacation. Uh, but before we do that, let's do a little tap drill and and get into some of the other topics uh, from the week in sports. Ask a couple questions. Uh, we'll have a little fun as we wrap things up here on unpacking it. Go ahead, Henry. Take it away. First subject is in the NFL, and there's a proposal on the table that says that if you're not playing on the offensive or defensive line you have the opportunity to wear a single-digit jersey. Now, there are only nine numbers. Well, if you count zero, if they use zero, there are only 10 single-digit numbers. So are you a fan of this, or are you a fan of just the quarterback being able to get from zero to 19? So my favorite number is five. So I would love to see more people wearing number five and so you know i think about reggie bush in college wore number five so it was pretty so cool cool so so cool. so i would like to see beyond uh maybe a, a kicker or a quarterback wearing number five so I'm, I'm i'm in on it i think i think it'll be kind of cool 
two things. One, absolutely. Two, why does the rule exist? Why is there <laughs> why, why is there positional requirements for numbers? I think that's outrageous. Like there's nothing like in the SEC and college football seeing big old mean defensive linemen coming off the edge where a number three or number six. Yep. That is so cool. Oh, I love that. I, I love when I, I just don't understand at all why there's limitations on who can wear which number. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, I'm I'm in. What what what's next, Henry? Well, Bryce, this actually goes straight to your heart, being that you have the number thirty on your wall there. So we'll talk about Steph Curry. Steph Curry has has notched his tenth straight game scoring thirty or more points. He is literally playing the best basketball probably of his career, and we're talking about a guy who's a two time MVP, three time NBA champion. Now, my question is this: Is he the single most exciting player to watch? And if not him, then who? Absolutely. I, to me, the shots that he makes, you saw the little one-handed flipperoo you know, from the other night, his ability to pull up anywhere, the, the way that he plays with you know, just his size and style, it is absolutely exciting. It's thrilling. You never know what kind of shot he's going to make. And you know, he's not the guy that's going to drive the lane and slam on you. Uh, like my boy Miles Bridges in Charlotte, baby, let's go. Um, but and Terry Rozier the other night too, huge slam. So, um, but but no, I, I I think his style right now he is the most entertaining player to watch. I still think LeBron James is the best player, but he's not always fun to watch. LeBron is, is so dominant and successful in different ways that aren't always the flashy ways. Whereas to me, Curry, man, the three, the the touch, the the pizzazz, the the, the energy that he plays with. I, I I love it. And and he's on a tear right now. Very, very impressive. And I was going to use this for I'm convinced, but I'll share it now. I'm convinced that I, I wish Kevin Durant never went to the Warriors. I wish that these last few years, Steph Curry was still carrying that team and Absolutely. lighting it up this way, the way that Absolutely. he did in back-to-back uh, MVP seasons. Um, I wish that that would have continued a little bit more because he had to take a back seat to Kevin Durant. Even yeah. though they won championships, I think we missed out as fans with the way that he plays, and we see it right now, him carrying the, the Warriors. Even though they're not great, he's still carrying them in, in amazing ways. Yeah, no, I love that take, absolutely. We Kevin Durant caused people to forget the greatness of Steph Curry. And, yep. the, and then he was out last year with injury. And now it's it, people are like, wow, he's playing great. Of course he is. He's Steph Curry. He's unbelievable. Uh, he's... I got to shout out my boy Luca because Luca every night goes for twenty eight eight and nine, but it's not as exciting per se. He's exciting shots. I think three game the Memphis game winner was unreal, but a lot of his game is pick and roll floaters, which is certainly less exciting than threes from the logo, which Steph routinely shoots. So uh, I, I don't I don't mind the take that Steph is the most exciting player right now. Steph Curry. Among his uh, among his accomplishments, the one accomplishment he doesn't have is Finals MVP. So we'll see if he can if he can get that. He may not get it this year, but uh, hopefully he'll get it before his career is over. Moving that in Charlotte. <laughs> moving on to baseball. Um, this is this is actually something that my son might want to hide his uh, put his earmuffs on. The New York Yankees, yes, the Evil Empire, as they're called, are currently in last place after getting after getting swept by the defending AL champs 
the Tampa Bay Rays. And so what the Yankees fans decided to do to show their frustration is throw baseballs onto the field. (laughs) So my question is this, what is the dumbest thing you guys have done as a sports fan? So when I was probably like the 12 to 15 range was when I was the most absurd type of fan, you know, like just, I was a crazy Duke fan, uh, probably more than anything, because during that time, like most people growing up in Charlotte rooted for UNC. So I was kind of like on my, on my own in that regard. But one time when I went to a, an a, I think it was the ACC tournament. And so I wore all of my Duke gear while sitting in a UNC section <laughs> as a, as a, like 13 ish. I can't remember exactly, but what I do remember is standing up taunting the UNC fans, <laughs> like, like the most annoying 13 year old kid. Oh, busting just, out the radio voice too. Just talking <laughs> trash. Like, just like pointing to my chest, like, <laughs> like arguing with grown men. Like oh. that's the dumbest thing who, I've ever, I've ever done. Who would argue back, which is way more concerning. If they're arguing <laughs> back to you, if you are arguing to them, take it. But if that's they're the returning point. the insults, Oh, that's a problem. Actually, that reminds me of another thing too. One time I, and I hate to admit the age I was, it may have been older than I'd like to admit. <laughs> I fought a kid for the t-shirt. For this t-shirt, oh. one. I I went for it. I went for it. I th- I I oh. like argued with dad, thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I won this shirt. I paid for a ticket. I don't know who knows if I did, but I I'm I'm here with with a ticket. I want the t-shirt. I want to go home with the t-shirt. I don't want the kid to go home. It's an extra large. I should wear it anyway. So I I that was probably the that, that may have been the dumbest. Did you I get it? it? Even more dumb. Did you end up with the shirt? I can't remember. So Probably like, was it one of those moments Probably. where you both catch at the same time, or was it? And I'm wrestling with the kid. I'm wrestling okay, with the okay. kid. Uh, that's that's forgivable, and unless he had full grasp on it, and you came in and and took it from him. That, I don't think I shoved him to the ground. I hope not. I, hopefully, I'm better than that. But maybe not. <laughs> that was a crazy fan. Oh, I'm maturing. Gosh. I'm growing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm developing. Wow. Uh, I think yeah. mine I is... stay at home and watch games. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't trust right. me. That's the, real, the true colors are showing right now. Yeah, I, I'm better off in my man cave <laughs> for everyone. My, uh, my dumbest moment as a sports fan is in ignorance saying Dwayne Wade is my favorite player. Um, because <laughs> bef- that was before Mavs fan perspective hit in. So at a very young age, I said, Dwayne Wade is my favorite player. And then the veil was taken off my eyes, and I realized he is the enemy of Dallas. And yes, I firmly please. put my all of my fandom into the big German. So I, I, uh, I'm still remorseful for saying that, for all Mavs fans out there saying Dwayne Wade is my favorite player. Great talent, but enemy of Dallas. So I, I, have, <laughs> I have done a, thankfully have done a 180 from that take. I, I like it. All right, Henry, last one, then we'll wrap up. All right, last tap. Uh, Coach Brad Stevens of the Boston Celtics has recently been on the hot seat, or the lukewarm seat, as you could say, after the the first few years of the Boston Celtics making a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. They kind of find themselves at the bottom of the playoff bracket. Now, knowing this, 
the University of Indiana made a full court press to hire him as their head coach to the tune of a 10-year, $70 million contract, which Brad Stevens turned down. Good move or bad move? So to me, Brad Stevens has decided that he is an NBA coach. He is all in on the NBA. And he is not going back to college unless it's years down the line and he has a change of heart. But when, when he decided to, you know, go to, go to the Boston Celtics and this Indiana job, I believe has probably popped up before uh, as an opportunity. And, and that just isn't what, what he's gone after. So it's not about the money. It's about the style of play and, and the type of coach that he, he sees himself as, and he sees himself as an NBA coach. So for whatever reason, whether it's you know the lifestyle, the the types of players, the talent level, the the non not having to recruit, whatever it is, he's all in on college and or on the NBA, and he's not going to leave the NBA. I don't see him leaving the NBA. It may not work in Boston, but this happens. Doc Rivers, his time was up in LA. Now he's he's in uh, Philadelphia. Stan Van Gundy, he's coached at least three teams, four teams. Uh, so th- this this happens where you know you, you wear your welcome out in, in certain teams. Doesn't mean that. Brad Stevens isn't a great coach. He is. What he's done in Boston has been excellent. They've, Danny Ainge, wow, that's a whole other story. But he, to me, he's made some moves. It's more on Danny Ainge than it Absolutely. is on Brad Stevens in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, anyway, go ahead, Luke. Um, so, man, this is a good question. But, so, so I agree. I agree with Bryce. But I think it's... I think from a different perspective, I think once you leave the college game and you get to leave all of the NCAA rules and regulations, it's freeing to be in the association, to be in the NBA. You don't want to, I'm sure in theory, there's a dollar figure that would, would pull him back in. Eh, but really? Eh. I, I mean, I say that because if he offered, it was offered 20 million a year. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd have, I fear he would be pressured into taking that, but He's making plenty of money. He he doesn't need any more money. But to I, there's no reason to want to go back to recruiting, which is brutal, a grind, to losing your team every year almost, having to to get new players, NCAA regulations. That is a grind. To be a college coach, I don't think they get enough credit for the gr- the the day in day out grind of having to abide by the rules. Having to get players, yeah, they get they only get they only get maybe one or two years of them if you get a really good school, and then oh, it's just it's brutal. So I, I think it's if you can make a name for yourself and convince yourself and the league that you're an NBA coach, unless you just have an absolute hole in your heart for your alma mater, it is it's brutal to coach college. It, it's a different it's a different game. So you got to be yeah committed and all in. Guys like Bayheim, Coach K. You know, Roy Williams, those guys uh, stuck it out, stuck it out for a long time. So, all right, Henry, great job out of you. Enjoy your vacation with the family. Uh, Thanks for being a part of the show today. Luke, have an awesome week. Appreciate you. Uh, Fun show today. If if you just joined us, you joined us late, go listen to the podcast. Uh, We'll be available later this afternoon. And and also, uh, if you missed kind of the beginning of the show, we talked uh, yard sales. We talked NFL draft and contentment. We talked Trevor Lawrence and and success and, and drive and chip on your shoulder, a little bit of that conversation and his recent comments. Uh, and then we had some fun with Tap Drill. So we will be back next Monday, 1030-ish. 
Eastern. We, got, we had a long show today, a little overtime uh, bonus coverage today, but thanks to everyone for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us, Bryce at unpackingit.com, Bryce at unpackingit.com. The Unpack This devotional will go out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Be sure to subscribe to that. This Thursday, virtual trivia. We hope you'll join us. Check out the details, unpackingit.com. For Luke, for Henry, I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.